0: Welcome to Sustainable 209. Do you know I nearly said 2009 there? Oh god,
1: don't say that, I'd have believed it.
0: <laughs> Welcome yourself all to
1: Sustainable. We are your friendly little weekly environment podcast, ain't we all? Yes. All about people and the planet, and why? Despite A, everything being nosed, and B, all being an intergalactic other podcast-appearing football and climate change expert,
0: we can still have a chuckle <coughs> about it every now and then. How was it on the Guardian's Football Weekly, all? It was brilliant. Ah. It was such fun. It was such a treat. I was proper nervous about it, but I loved it. So thank you to the Guardians Football Weekly for having me on, letting me wang on about the planet, and for all being lovely. Expert you were. Expert about football and climate change. Don't think anyone ever used that term. (laughs) (laughs) I was very proud of you. You were
1: very, very good. Well done. Don't go moonlighting again. You stay in your box. Yes?
0: (laughs) You should (laughs) see what they paid me. What are we going to be talking about this week? Oh, not football. Not football, no, we are going to be talking about oil. We're going to be talking about oil that shouldn't be being sucked out of the ground but is being out of, sucked, sucked out of the ground. But really, what we're going to be talking about is big boy politics and how the oil industry has got the UK government over a barrel. We are also going to be talking about that awful, awful, awful UK government again, but yeah. this time about plastic. Because they said they were going to do a thing. They promised, Dave. They promised they were going to do a thing and they haven't done it. Noughty. And in fact, they're not going to do it for a long time, which is not a barrel of laughs. i tell you that much for free. So we're going to be giving them both barrels.
1: Oh, nicely done. Oh, nicely done. Just the usual disclaimer. We do work for environmental charities, don't we all? We do. But these are very much our own views. So if anything that you hear is not a barrel of monkeys, take it up with me
0: and all directly and not with anyone for whom we work. Yes? Absolutely. Now, before we get into all of that, we just want to remind you that we are a listener-funded podcast and that means that we need your cash and we love it when you give us cash because it helps us do the babble even better. So please, if you can, donate a few quid at our Patreon. So go to www.pat.com r-e-o-n dot com forward slash Well, thank you very much to our loyal army of patrons uh, who give us cash and in exchange for which they hear about things early we ask some questions what should we do on this episode what should we ask these people that sort of thing so there is something in it for you too
1: on with it now before we do anything else ol i've noticed a side effect of the new computer that i had to buy and i wish to
0: complain about it Right. Is the side effect that it is also covered in beer because you've poured another beer over it? No, that hasn't happened. Um, yet, uh, yet. Yet.
1: I've now got it elevated, so I'd have to really, really go some to pour a pint of beer on it now. now the side effect is um, that it's got a higher definition camera on it than Ooh. the one i
0: had before <laughs> no um, one wants that <laughs> no one wants that
1: and that combined with not having shaved for a while and realizing that my facial hair is going the same color as charlton heston's willy is i suddenly <laughs> caught a glimpse of myself in a meeting the other day and i genuinely thought that like i had one of those weird uh, face app things on my face i've aged overnight 10 years and it's absolutely oh, terrifying look look at
0: this look no, I don't want to. Well, yeah. though this is the case in point because I always have the like the Zoom window very small. Uh because I like, you know, looking at other things and not just being confronted by the brutal well, reality just, uh, of I mean of if you were a friend you, you wouldn't
1: concentrate on anything, would you, if you were just adoringly looking at your own beautiful cherubic face. Well
0: this is the thing, I ter- so I turn self-view off or whatever it's called. But because my picture is small, when I when I go on a meeting at the beginning and just check that I haven't like got bogeys all over my forehead or something, I'm like, oh yeah, I look fine. And then if I do by accident put it on full screen, I see the, the brutal, brutal reality. <laughs> and it's like Oh, God, everyone, everyone's seeing this. I know.
1: On your football podcast, you were on the Guardian Football Weekly, talking about football and climate change extremely eruditely, I must say. On that, when you were talking to friend of the Babble, Dale Vince, I was remembering when we went to see that friend of the Babble, Dale Vince, five years ago and talked to him yeah, for episode he 46. <laughs> he didn't remember that?
0: <laughs> well, he didn't mention anything. <laughs> um, I was
1: remembering... Do you remember we did things like Stayed Up Late and, mm. like... You know, we were firm, young things. Do you remember that? Yeah. During Viral. the course of this babble, we have been firm, young things. And let me assure you <laughs> all, I've just learned, we are not anymore.
0: Sustain Babble of the Week. So, Sustain Babble of the Week, this is the section where... People who are important and self-important say things that they hope make them sound green, but are bollocks. Yes. And <laughs> I thought you were going to go straight into Yeah, the point is, that's happened again. Who has said what and why is it bollocks and why are you so, so cross about it?
1: Well, I didn't... St- right, so a thing has happened to me in my life. Oh, will I'm a generally a much calmer dude these days than I used to. You go back and listen to episode 169 for more on when I used to be an uncalm dude. Oh, but I think over the last year, I think we've all in various ways changed, and I've certainly mellowed out a bit. And one of the things I've mellowed out a bit is because I don't spend my day-to-day anymore worrying about things like. Uh, precisely how much economic stimulus is being given to which sectors and what the North Sea oil companies are up to now and all of that and the intricacies of policy. Because I don't do that no more. I've kind of ever so slightly become a bit more zen about it all, by which I mean there are still in in-hoffs, right, and there are still bad things happening. But when the government makes an announcement, I have noticed that I do not instinctively... As I may have done in the past, and indeed this podcast has pretty much always done, I do not immediately go, that's bollocks, look, I'm just about to read it and prove to you that it's bollocks. What I like to do now is to read it in an open mind and say, all right, I'll give this a fair go, genuinely, and let's see what's going on.
0: Yeah, I don't don't think there's any place for open minds in the Babel. So that's got to go, okay? We'll talk about this after
1: you're being very undued they'll call back worry not O worry not <laughs> everything we're about to talk about was approached with an open mind and i learned it doesn't work when you do that so and
0: still and you still came to the conclusion that yes. it's bollocks and there's a bunch of inhoffs being in yes okay
1: yeah exactly and and what so, so there are two types of babble i reckon maybe you agree with this i don't know crudely two types of babble there is the babble that is babble there is when a company says here is a thing we are doing uh, which is like would you like to buy this recyclable bit of plastic would you like uh, here's a thing that you don't need and we're going to make a green version and look we're being really green here's a 1000 pound bag made out of diamonds and hemp and we'll give 10 percent of the profit to like some Kitten crying cherry or something. That's babble type number one. You know where you stand with that sort of babble? That is good, honest, down-to-earth babble, right? Then mm. there is babble yeah. type number two, and that is what we're dealing with here. Babble type number two is the sort of babble when you look at it, and if you didn't know better, you'd go, that seems all right.
0: Seems well, that's good, kinda that. Yeah, that's, I feel like that's, that's almost the public service that this podcast mm. provides, because mm. a lot of it is quite sophisticated babble, where it genuinely does sound like someone's doing a good thing. Mm. And then we kind of go, no, they're not. (laughs) Honest, they're not.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but you have to to know a little bit about what you're talking about. And to do what I did and open up a 51-page document in good faith and start reading it, in order to conclude, as I did, that there is an awful, awful lot of horseshit being spoken.
0: (laughs) So what are we talking about in this particular instance? We are talking about the North Sea.
1: I've heard of that. Big grey, yeah, big grey wet thing connects Britain with the
0: Arctic up to the top left. Did you know it didn't used to be grey? What? All of the, There's all sorts of wonderful books about kind of what the seas around the UK used to be like before you know, humans went and ripped everything out of them. I thought you were going
1: to say before the European Union came over here and turned it grey, what was it like? Uh, no,
0: I think I think they did the opposite, didn't they? They cleaned oh, it up right. a bit. No, but like, because it was teeming with life, a lot of it, you know, big filtering things like uh, oysters and big giant clams and things, but all of the ecosystem was much healthier. The water was crystal clear, apparently. Well, like So, so it's,
1: so it's grey
0: murkiness is because we've got rid of all the oysters? Well, because we've got rid of so much biodiversity from the from the ocean yeah i did not know that yeah delicate but delicately balanced ecosystem that was doing things like filtering out all the nasties which is what great big clams and things like that do but also you know com- complete and entire food chain so things have been gobbled other things have been gobbled and now all of that's been knackered and um well bottom trawling has played its part see episode whatever that was 203 yeah So that's knackered out the seabed. All sorts of things being, you know, ripped up there. So yeah, grey old North Sea, famously grey didn't used to be grey used to be lovely and blue well i did not know that
1: I did, crikey moses all i did not know that but oh. it may not have uh clams and mollusks and snappy happy things in it but well you know what it has got in oil <laughs> oil <laughs> i've given it away there a little bit yeah oh it's got oil in it that's what it's got are <laughs> yeah, they drilling for all oh drilling no oil. don't drill for all <laughs> do you know some of the biggest in-hots around are the north sea oil industry Absol- <laughs> <laughs> absolute absolute hoffs Oil. That's what we're talking about. Big black stuff underground. Build big rig. Drill down into ground underwater. Get all oil out. Put all oil in barrels. Sell all oil to the highest bidder. Make vast amounts of cash. And we have got in the North Sea, I say we, I don't mean we, I mean oil companies have got lots and lots of oil. Less than they used to be because we've been drilling it all. More expensive than it used to be because we've got all the cheap stuff,
0: but still nonetheless, oil. Lots of it, Aberdeen and Northwoods, all. And this is important, isn't it? Because in, was it the 60s, 70s, that sort of time, when there was all sorts of worries about where we could get our energy from? um, Because other places were saying, hang on a minute, if we just like turn the price up, you've got no option but to just pay that higher price. Mm. Uh, And so they got very excited when they discovered a lot of oil and gas underneath the North Sea, which they could distract, because it was like, oh, hang on, energy independence, blah, blah, blah. When the North Sea first yielded its fabulous secrets in the early 60s, no one quite realised the extent of the discovery, nor did they envisage what vast changes the coming of oil would bring. And it has been a huge factor in the kind of economic prosperity of this country in the last few decades, right?
1: Yes, I mean, we've kind of spunked it, like, so okay. some, some, <laughs> some countries, I say spunked it. I mean, it depends what you've literally, you know, put it straight into the rear end of things that have burned it and then put the gas from the rear end of the thing into the climate, what is killing us all. So in that sense, spunked it. And we've also, uh, the government's okay. taxed it. And uh, and instead of going, ooh, that's nice, that's a bit of money, we'll put that in a pot. And then when we have like any kind like crisis, like done. the Norwegians have done, a sovereign wealth fund, instead of doing that, we spunked it. We did things like allow, you know, cut taxes on rich people so that we could, yeah you know, pay for <laughs> It with with that kind of thing um so yes i think one of the things we will look at in years to come indeed a lot of people look at already is what do we do with all that like, all that oil we allowed companies to drill it make fat piles of cash out of it we made climate change with it we didn't do anything useful with the money and now great what we got now brills first of all that money was just resting in my account before i moved it on it was resting for a long time ted yes yeah, but a good long rest There was an announcement. There was an announcement in the news about the oil in the North Sea. And the announcement was this. There is a thing, a thing called a deal, a sector deal, a deal between sectors, a sector deal. And we're going to talk about what that is in a minute. Um, so don't ask me. I'll think about it between now and when you ask me. Fine. Um, okay. And uh, but Because the whole point being, like, it's bollocks is what it is, between the oil industry and the UK government, when what they have said is, what they have said is... A landmark deal has been agreed between the oil and gas industry and the UK government to transition to a clean, green energy while supporting 40,000 jobs. The North Sea transition deal is a transformational agreement between the UK
0: government and the country's changing oil and gas industry. It's the first of its kind by any G7 nation. The deal will harness the sector's decades of expertise to innovate and deliver low-carbon energy solutions that will power
1: our communities and economy.
0: It will create a new... Bollocks, more like. Before before we get into what is really going on, like what is ostensibly going on? What what are they saying this is all about? So transition deal, you said. So this is about how we take the oil and gas industry, which is an industry doing things that are not compatible with our... 1.5 1.5 degree world and our yep. net zero and stuff. How do we help that industry transition yep. to something that is compatible with net zero, 1.5 degrees. Clean bar, bar, green bar. energy. Yes. yeah. And That's what they say this is about. Yep, they say okay.
1: that that's what it is and they say that basically the industry and government have agreed different bits of a package that will result in oil rigs themselves being greener and we can come to this We can come. That
0: (laughs) that's the sort of stuff that gets me right going. (laughs) That well. Yes. Look, this knuckle duster is made of 100% recycled steel. Yes, well, So I don't go complaining when I break your face with it. I know, I know, I know, I know,
1: all right, I know. This is, believe it or not, that is not the worst thing about this announcement, right? So that's one thing that's going to happen. Secondly, that there's going to be... Why are you be-
0: complaining? My baseball bat that I've just used to take out your kneecaps is
1: fair trade. Yeah, you know, they said there was two types of babble. This is firmly in babble category, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> that's not a green thing. What Greening you're doing, there? your oil rigs. I know. Do me a favor. I know, I know. Uh, so that, that There will also be a commitment, a voluntary commitment, no less, but a commitment to supporting local jobs in the energy, North Sea LNG industry. So I think 50% of all jobs should be locally supported, which frankly is like pretty much what they had to do anyway. But, you know. Um, and uh, the government will support, it will get some financial support and market support and kind of instru- infrastructural support for hydrogen. Go back and listen to episode 193, made with fossil fuels and carbon capture and storage. What is when you have the big scale facilities to take the, uh, to continue using oil and take it and take the gas and bung it in a hole under the ground where old oil used to be. All of which basically adds up to one thing and one thing only, right? Which is the oil industry has just been given a load of support to carry on being an oil industry. That's what's <laughs> happened. Um, and
0: it's got so bugger this, all. This-
1: bugger all to do and there's nothing in here that has got anything to do with clean green energy at all that i can see there's a mixture of stuff there is stuff in there that is just meh like greener oil rigs right let's talk about that for a waste of time it's a waste of time like i mean it's if you it's the absolute you know that thing when people say oh it's the least i could do yeah. And, and, and and actually, it wasn't the least you could do often because people might you get a get someone a cake and you'll say oh thank you for the cake and I go oh, that's the least I could do because no no the least you could do is not get me a cake so you know yeah thanks if you've got an oil rig the least you can do is like use renewable light bulbs in it. Like, well, you told you told me the to, least you can do. To,
0: yeah, you tell me to do a word search of this fifty-one page document, like mm. searching for the word "renewable," mm. and it comes up seven times in fifty-one pages, but never in the context of "and we're going to make the oil and gas industry like pour loads of money into renewables." No, the only time, the only times <laughs> I noticed it was when it was like at some point in the future, we hope that the act of extracting oil and gas will be powered by renewables. (laughs) It's like, oh, oh, brilliant. Oh, we are saved. Two to three billion pounds, actually, wasn't it? It was two to three billion pounds to help the oil and gas industry extract oil and gas using renewable power. (laughs) It's like, that's a lot of money. So there's some stuff that
1: is like the least you can do. Then there's some stuff that should be happening anyway, and is a total, like, probably would have happened anyway because of political pressure. Like, if you're going to employ people to do this, bloody well make sure that they're, as much as possible, local. Go back and listen to episode 125, I want to say, uh, which is when we talked about just transition, when we talked a lot about this, right? So making jobs, uh, including in the North Sea, for, like, people that work there, right? And the industry's going, well, we're doing this, hooray, great. And, like, well, okay, whatever. Like, it's That's not that big a deal. I think there's something like you have to have a 50... Probably by 2030, you have to have a 50% local job commitment anyway, or something. I've got that figure in my head from somewhere. So that's well, nothing. I mean, like, it's a nothing.
0: What, what, the other thing is, and this might be splitting hairs a bit, but what is in this document says that by 2030, the sector will voluntarily commit to ensuring that 50% of its offshore decommissioning and new energy technology projects will be provided by local businesses. What does voluntarily committing mean? Uh, As opposed to committing. (laughs) Well,
1: let's put it this way. If I turn up at your house, yeah, with a hopeful expression and stand on your door and say, "Oh, can you bring me out a cup of coffee? You can, if you like, voluntarily commit to bringing me out a cup of coffee. Or I could turn up at your door with a hopeful expression and a cattle prod and say, "Oh, can you bring me a (laughs) cup of coffee? At which point you will non-voluntarily commit (laughs) to bringing me a cup of coffee. Either way...
0: I got a cup of coffee out of it. Fine. Well, in that case, this sounds lovely, doesn't it? No cattle pros will be used. (laughs) Everyone bringing coffee voluntarily. Sure. I just can't eat any more raw coffee. Two more bowls. But I, sir, I am sober, honest. And
1: actually, that starts to tell you what's really going on here, which is what's really going on is the oil industry. This is what's going on, Ol. You ready for what's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. The oil industry, Ole, <laughs> has got the UK government over, excuse the pun, a barrel. A barrel. A absolutely. Barrel. The UK government has got no cards here at all.
0: No, hang right? on. Explain it, because you've explained this before we recorded, and yes. I sort of got it but I'm a bear of a little brain about this sort of stuff. So can you explain it simply? Okay. Why why, why has the UK government found themselves over a barrel courtesy of the oil and gas industry?
1: Well, to answer that, we're going to go back a little bit, and we're going to go back a few days. And we're going to go back to the reaction that plenty of greenie campaigners had to the news that... The oil industry is not going to be shut down and is indeed going to be able to continue making oil for a very long time. And the reaction. Okay,
0: and, and, that, and that, hang on, just we haven't explained that. Also. Right. So there, there were reports and rumors that what was going to be in this deal was the government saying, you can't have any more licenses yes. to extract oil and gas. Or from a certain point in the future, maybe 10 years, maybe even 20 years in the future, that's it. No more extracting oil and gas so that was kind of what was being briefed and rumors were flying around and then what this deal contains is nothing on that it there is nothing about stopping sucking oil and gas out of the ground under the north sea correct okay Um, and the
1: things to say about that is thing number one i don't i don't believe i do not believe i flat out don't believe my gas will be (laughs) If the government was ever seriously, ever genuinely thinking about saying, all right, very lucrative industry that employs hundreds of thousands of people indirectly across Scotland at a time when the unions fall into bits and we've got no money, we'll shut you down voluntarily. Like... I just don't believe it. I don't believe that was ever on the cards. There was a couple of stories that seemed to talk about it and they both basically have no actual facts in it. They're just like one of the options the government is rumoured to be looking at is that. Uh, And there was a news story came out of it, you know, and it was in a couple of places, but that's it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the Greeny campaigners all reacted with like, "What? well, this is an outrage and a betrayal of like, you know, climate commitments and stuff, which it is, like, let's be absolutely clear. There is a climate emergency going on. Right there is yes. a climate emergency, dressed in spandex, jumping up and down, saying, "Hey, hey! I'm going please on. Pay,
0: please pay attention. Please, <laughs> I'm. I know I always look for attention, but please pay attention. Yeah, because I'm going on. Still going on over here. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely going on. Yeah, um, and and it is it is not we. Yeah, we know it is not compatible." with a climate emergency to keep on sucking oil and gas out of the ground here or anywhere like it has to stop it has to stop really quickly it has to stop much sooner than it otherwise might stop because it just runs out or because it gets too expensive it has to stop before then so that we don't fry the planet like really fry the planet
1: here and everywhere as you say right which is one of the problems going on here of course because it isn't stopping everywhere and thus there's very little incentive for any one country not a country that has, like, a little bit of oil and gas production, like com- like countries like, say, France, right? But countries that have, like, a zonkingly large amount of oil and gas production, relatively, like the UK. There is very little incentive, actually, in political terms, for them to go, yeah, you're right, we'll leave all that where it is, right? You've got to marshal the mother and father and stepsister of all hefty political campaigning pointy sticks with a nail in the end of it, if you want to see that happen. Like just about everything else in my opinion could be wrong but just about everything else that needs to happen is going to happen sooner than that and i think at the point when the uk government or certainly this uk government says yeah you're right we're going to leave all that all where it is that is when we have won right and it's happened because we have won it is not in itself winning right that is what's gone on right And the reason being that it's the oil the oil industry is just like, what are you going to do? Are you going to shut us down? Don't think so. Don't think so, mate. What are you going to do? This climate change thing, yeah, it's very bad. We agree with you, it's very bad. What are you going to do? Shut us down? Bring it. See what happens to your Aberdeen. See what happens to your union. See what happens to your tax revenues. See what happens to your economic competence ratings. And obviously, like, they've basically gone to the government and they've gone, it's a nice political stability you've got there. Shame if anything happened to it. What I suggest you do is, I suggest you sign this deal here, which says you're going to give us everything we want, in exchange for which we'll voluntarily commit to some stuff.
0: Or maybe we won't. (laughs) Of course, of course you don't have to sign this deal, but it'd be an awful shame if that lovely mountainous country went and found another place to be, wouldn't it?
1: The whole thing is babble. The entire thing is 50 actual deal. is 51 pages of basically nothing at all other than the government promising it's going to make nice market conditions for things that enable fossil fuels to still be used and the oil industry saying, and we'll do some stuff that frankly is the least they can do. And that is okay. what it is.
0: Right? That's reassuring because when I read this, I, I was trying, and this isn't me being silly and like sort of faux modesty or anything. I was trying to work out what it was that I was reading. Yeah. And I really, really couldn't work it out. Like, I could see what it was saying, which was, there's a climate emergency, that's important. The industry has to transition to a new world, that's important. It was like, yes, and? And it, it just kept going. It just kept going, saying things are important, people are good, industries are great, our past is magnificent, our future will be brilliant. It's like, yeah, right? But what is this? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> this document, this deal, this announce, this thing that you've chosen to announce. What is it? Well, what is? Genuinely, do, do you see what I mean? <laughs> this. <laughs> this. <laughs> this. What is this? Why are we here? Why am I talking to you? What am I talking to you about? And yes, I know we're talking about this. <laughs> what is this? Out. What is it? I got so confused.
1: And then in the like, so nowhere in the fifty-one page deal between the North Sea oil industry and the government, nowhere in that is the thing that actually got the headlines and got written up. And the thing that got written up was this thing called a climate compatibility checkpoint, which in itself. <laughs> is monumental piles of horseshit, right? So this is the this is the uh, insulting cherry on the rude cake, right? And the rude <laughs> cake we've talked about, and this insulting cherry has been tapped on at the last minute, written up by the Guardian, and it says, no, no, we're not, we're going to allow licences. You're going to still carry on and drill, but we know there's a climate emergency going on, so we're going to introduce a new climate compatibility checkpoint
0: which will determine
1: whether every application is compatible with the UK's climate change objectives, under which they will say, all right, at the time where we grant licenses, we will check uh, how much oil and gas we're using here, how much oil and gas is actually still there to be got out, how green we can be otherwise, and whether or not your light bulbs are green on your oil rigs. Um, And none of that is the point. None of it is the point. The point is, do you want to still be making fat piles of cash out of something that's causing climate change? Is that what you want to do? Like, there's not some calculus that's going to arrive at the point where you go, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, oh, I'm not sure those light bulbs and oil rig are quite making up for the climate change, so probably we should stop it now. Or when, like, the price of oil reaches specifically £82.50 or something, at which point you go, right, that's enough climate change now. Like, it's It's meaningless. It's It's completely
0: meaningless. The the idea that any of these ministers or mandarins in the civil service could stand up and say, yes, no genuinely there is a point where if it doesn't pass, if the idea of sucking more oil and gas out of the North Sea doesn't pass a climate compatibility check we'll say no th- that's just not true <laughs> It's like, of course it's not, you'll just change the test, you'll change the criteria, you'll, you'll do some Excel stuff until you get to carry on sucking this stuff out of the ground, like what a joke and I suppose to be slightly maudlin and gloomy about all of this like it did make me realise when you stop and think about it, it you realise categories of things that go in big boy politics, like, you know, where countries are deciding between themselves what happens, who lives, who dies, where wars are going to be, like where money's going to be made, where it isn't like this is in that and climate still isn't. That's what it made me realise. Mm, is that I, true? I, I think so. True? Like, I think it's getting higher and higher up the table. It used to be a joke or, or ignored. It's not those things anymore. But it is when the push comes to shove, it's not the thing which determines how the big boy decisions are made. And this is a big boy decision, as you've outlined very clearly. Like, it's... I think that's... The, that's the, bigger than yeah. climate for them. And that's depressing, because I don't know if you've noticed, Dave, but our climate is bigger than anything else in terms of our ability to live. Uh, so I, th- I, th- I think it's wrong. I think it's the wrong way around.
1: <laughs> Get a haircut, hippie. <laughs> yeah, I think that you're right in the, the stuff that really drives what happens in the global politics is not climate change, really. And we'll see about this when the old COP26 talks come up at the end of the year, which are basically, they're not really about climate change. They're about geopolitics. They're about who's got the power, who's demanding the money, who's going to get the money. It's what they're really about. And climate is kind of the excuse for that conversation, to be frank. But at least, and this is the thing, we've said this many times, that has changed over the course of doing the babble. At least they now have to pretend that a thing that is... (laughs) bailing out the oil industry and giving it a lifeline for at least 10 years, probably 20 or 30, at least having to write 51 pages of eco-guff about it. So, like, the politics has at least, they at least have to be seen to be giving a shit about climate change and pretending this is a climate measure. I'm not saying that's good, and in many ways it's worse,
0: but it's progress, isn't it? (laughs) But (laughs) But it's different. It's It's different. different, and we'll take different. Now, Inhofe time. an Inhofe, Dave, is a person who is doing bad things. Bad things for the future of their planet, bad things for the future of humanity. And we put them in Inhofe Corner and say, stay there! Don't come out until you have become an anti-Inhofe. And this time, this week, we've got somebody who's, I don't think, been in Inhofe Corner before. Um, they are the Environment Minister in the UK government, and that is somebody called Rebecca Powell. And she is in Inhofe Corner because, and I'm going to try not to get too shouty and upset about this, because I know there are bigger things in life, but because, do you remember in 2018, in countless (laughs) 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 countless babbles in 2018, when the world suddenly cared about plastic, because David Attenborough was doing TV programmes about plastic everywhere, the UK government said, ''Oh my God, plastic is a problem. Why didn't anyone tell us before now?'' shit um we'll do a thing to stop so much plastic being thrown away specifically plastic bottles being thrown away we're going to do a thing called a deposit return scheme and that is where you have kind of vending machines in reverse so you have your your can of coke you're not your can of coke well that's a can of worms that i don't want to go into this week your bottle of coke you've drunk your bottle of coke and instead of lobbing it into the nearest dolphin's dolphin uh you go to a little kind of vending machine and you say look here you go have your bottle back and that vending machine says thank you very much here's 50p and then some clever people take it off to be recycled that's the principle it happens in lots of other countries it's not new it's not radical it's perfectly sensible so the uk government said we're going to do that once we've consulted on it cuz you know dolphins and everything are important but we can't just just do, the we just do a and thing. We've got to it, and yes, just, we, can and we can't just that. do. We can't just do a thing that is being done in loads of other
1: countries. We have to see no, if it works first.
0: It might not be doable. <laughs> yes. What possible evidence is there that this is doable? So we'll have a cons- consultation, and um, and that's what they did. Anyway, you'll note that the year is now 2021, and you will also note that we still don't have a deposit return scheme. It is still not possible to shove your bottle of Coke that you have emptied into a vending machine so that it gets taken away. But there was an announcement. Finally, they announced something and he thought, right, this is it. Do you want to know what they announced, Dave? Do you want to know what Rebecca Powell announced?
1: Well, I know, I know what it was because we put it in this document, didn't we?
0: Oh, bloody hell. Talk about... What's, it, what's the phrase in telly? Like breaking the fourth wall? Sorry. There's a beautiful conceit here. Oh, you bastard.
1: Okay. I didn't realise we had a fourth wall. I didn't we had any walls. <laughs> I haven't got any walls. Sure you haven't got any walls by now, have we? It's it's artistic license. It's it's willing suspension of disbelief. Well
0: I'm not having anyone staring in disbelief at my willy suspension. Point is what happened is that Rebecca Powell said there's gonna be another one. Another what? Another consultation. There's gonna be another Am I maintaining the fourth wall here? consultation you can I, i've the walls are all falling down let's not, <laughs> let's not <laughs> pretend okay there's going to be another one they, they 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 haven't got enough information i don't know what the real reason is here well, i do know what the real reason is we'll come on to that but they've decided that their first consultation wasn't good enough and now there's been a pandemic and everything's got tricky and so they're having another one and rebecca powell the environment minister the person who was responsible for looking after the environment she said this on this basis, our second consultation will build on the first consultation, offering a chance to explore further what the continued appetite is for a deposit return scheme in a post-Covid context.
1: So they're basically saying, can we get out of this? We'd quite like to get out of this. It's,
0: yeah, exactly. It's, it's incredibly revealing and transparent, that quote, isn't it? It's like isn't they're it? saying, we only care what the appetite for this is. We don't care what's right and what's wrong. Mm. We just we care whether people give a shit. If no one gives a shit, we're not going to do it. And two things are obvious to say about that. One is like that's not good enough. That's like saying, well, does anyone want war with France? Because you know they're getting a bit sort of snarky and wary. But if anyone gives a shit, we'll have a war with them. If they don't, no war. It's like well, no. That's not the main thing to consider when you're making this decision. The That's decision the, the thing to consider is are, are they France trying, oh, right. are they trying to invade us? <laughs> if they are, have a war with them. Like <laughs> And I think these things are directly comparable. Yes. <laughs> the, the other thing to say is that there is massive appetite for this like there is, there is huge public appetite for the ability to have less plastic crap lying around all of the surveys showed it like and to it's be paid for it is not right? an unpopular thing and to be paid for it exactly mm. so it doesn't even make sense on its own terms and i oh can you rescue me here cuz i'm getting really squealy and shouty and not considered and not funny so i'm cross you start talking can i rescue you for not being funny no um, no. But I, I <laughs> do want to. You should have done that two hundred nine episodes ago.
1: Yes, indeed. Rescue myself more like it. What I do wonder is why it is you are so interested in a sodding deposit return scheme. I reckon if we did a, one of those wordles, you know, those word clouds, and we mm. pumped everything you've ever said into the babble, <laughs> it wouldn't be the word that came out at the top, but it would be fairly close to the top. would be three words. It was deposit return scheme. And I'm not saying it's not interesting to have a big grey box outside a supermarket that you pump bits of plastic into, but you do seem particularly exercised about it. And I'm not saying... <laughs> I'm not saying it's a, like I did an essay about it once. Like, I'm just, why why this in particular? Sorry, Do you, know you bang wrote on an about?
0: essay about it once.
1: Yes, I did write an essay about it once. I, I did uh, in my university days, one of them. I wrote an essay all about, I wrote it about <laughs> uh, deposit return schemes. I did. And I'm why I'm sorry, was a,
0: did you voluntarily, did you voluntarily commit to write this essay or were yeah. you... They're interesting things from a sort of idle policy right. perspective. So hang on a minute. You're having a go at me for being interested in deposit return schemes, and yet you chose to write an essay about them. Yes, once. You banged on about it for five years.
1: Still banging on about it. Now, I'm not saying it's not interesting and important. Just explain why it is of such interest. Is it that it's the only bit of environmental no. policy you know
0: it's one of the few bits that I understand. <laughs> <laughs> you get, you get, it's, it's like uh, it's like that bit of Father Ted. Like You can stand there with, instead of small figurines of cows, a plastic bottle and you can take it out of a vending machine <laughs> and then you can put it back in a vending machine. And I understand, Dave. There are so few things I understand. I guess the reason I really care is because it is such an obvious example of how the government, this government, do or don't actually care about this stuff. And a classic example of how they will say whatever they feel needs to be said about a thing when it is top of the public agenda. When David Attenborough is saying things about it in beautiful films that everyone's watching and when everyone's going, this is actually really awful, I don't like this, why won't the government do a thing? At that point... They will say stuff. And in fact, what did what did Michael Gove say at the time? I've got this written down somewhere. Hang on, where's my bloody... Nice oh, I've got it here. On?
1: A DR... Uh, 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 oh God. Oh, yes, he said, he said it was absolutely vital we act now to tackle this threat and curb the millions of plastic bottles a day that go unrecycled. That's what yeah, he said in, in 2018. In 2018 he said yes. that, three years yes. ago. Yes. I think the people in this country have had enough of experts...
0: And I think that's why it gets me so upset because it's just a very, very clear example of how they will say stuff like that with zero intention of seeing it through. Because they know that people will stop caring and at that point they'll move on to something else. Now I know there's been a pandemic, right? There's been a pandemic. I'm you not noticed, saying, yeah? I'm not, <laughs> yes, I did notice. I'm not saying that this should have been done and prioritised ahead of pandemic-y things. But the government has proved itself perfectly capable of doing non-pandemic-y things that it wants to do in the pandemic. Like, for instance, see previous episode of Babel, introducing a bit of legislation that protects statues more than it protects women and that like criminalises an entire way of life. Like, they found the resources to do that, and that's not pandemic-y. So, you know, I'm not really going to give them a pass on that. Um, But yeah, it just, it just, it depresses me because it proves that what all of the cynics said at the time was true, that like, once the white heat of public attention on plastic cools, the government are going to call on it as well.
1: And the thing that unites what we were talking about in the North Sea and unites this, what is going on here is booting stuff down the road for some other sod to deal with. That's what consultations are often used for, right? Well, wasn't Michael Gove's environment department called like the Department for Consultations or something? Because the sheer number That's of right. things.
0: Yeah. The sheer
1: yeah. number of times he would stand up and say, this thing is really, really important and say very beautifully and eloquently why something was really important and appear to mean it and then say, and what we're going to do is consult on something and hardly any of it ever happened. So saying you're going to consult on something boots it down the road. Saying you're going to consult on it again boots it down the road. road. Doing a sector deal with the UK government on North Sea Oil, where you say, oh, we're going to review that next time, that boots it down the road. And all of it means you look like you're doing something, but you know you probably never have anything to do with it. You know as a minister you're probably not going to be in this job the next time someone has to look at it. And all of the people who should know better go, hey, our job done. And they take attention away from it and they go and shout about something else follow this shit
0: up Babel army that is a very good point actually because maybe it's people like me and you maybe it's the Babel army maybe it's all of the environment charities for whom we work that are culpable in some to, to some extent for all this cool. which is a hear this me is out, controversial uh, i already disagree with it <laughs> But there, well, luckily, it's not my opinion. It's the opinion of Martin Williams, who was on the Babel what number eight? We think. I think think it was our first
1: guest, seven or eight. Yeah, first, even our first ever guest. Yeah.
0: Anyway, Martin, who is an absolute genius political campaigner, did all sorts of amazing things. But he says, and this was on Twitter in relation to a conversation about plastic in tea bags that was all kind of people were talking about rages, and then they stopped talking about. He says, current campaign group tactics make it easy for companies to do this find a problem drive it viral harvest the outrage look for a new problem rinse and repeat the graft of outlawing the problem or monitoring company performance isn't done so they quietly go on before so what he's saying there is that hang on a minute you've if you are going to make a big hullabaloo about this stuff you've got to stick around for when no one's paying attention you've got to hold their feet to the fire and that's hard because you've got a lot of other things you need to do, like constantly talk about the thing which is in the media at the moment and all of that. But it's true, isn't it?
1: There is something in it. So I, I, I kind of, I see the something that's in it, which is like, don't just shout for a thing, say this thing must happen, which you've kind of half pulled out of your arse because it just sounds like a sexy campaign win. And then the thing happens and then you go, there, are, great job done. And then you go away. Don't do that that's bad. Firstly, make sure the thing you're calling for is useful. Secondly, see it through. But I do reject the idea, I reject it, I reject you and Martin Williams and your idea, <laughs> well, that it is somehow the fault of campaigners you know, you know, you know that companies are bastards. You know I can't handle rejection. <laughs> accept it. Just be secure in yourself. Be no, secure. You can't. Or accept your insecurity. But nobody can reject you if you love yourself. Oh, you know that. Uh, you know uh, that. Okay, I'll work on that wish I could give you a babble cuddle.
0: You tried your best, and you failed miserably. The lesson is, never try.
1: <laughs> I reject the idea, anyway, shut up and listen, that it is campaigners' fault that in Inhoffs be Inhoffs. Like, yes, definitely, yes. Get, no, savvier, get savvier with your campaign tactics. Definitely think about holding companies to account. Definitely don't just ask for easy stuff that don't change anything. But, as discussed earlier, oil companies, very big, powerful things. Like...
0: Yeah, sure. Keep it in proportion. No, of course, of course. And I don't yeah, it's it's lazy to suggest it's just their fault. And that's not what Martin's doing and that's not what I'm doing. But I, you know, I think there's a grain of truth that that there is a part of the fault which is at the at, laid at the door of people who aren't following this stuff up.
1: Right, competition time. Shut up and listen. Would you like to win some small giants crackers? Uh, sorry <laughs> would you like to win You're not you Ol. you can't you're connected to the Babel. you can't enter oh, yeah. but Babel listeners in the UK can enter a competition uh, and they can win some small giants crackers crackers made out of insects Ol, go back and listen to episode 154 when Ol ate some insects I wouldn't have nothing to do with it but we also debated whether or not you should if you think it's alright to eat insects you might want to eat some small giants crackers that's all I'm saying and thank you to the lovely people at small giants crackers now would you like to know what you have to do yes I bet you would what do they have to do, well? Oh, sorry, it's me, is it? Yes.
0: Fine, okay. You we'll can look.
1: talk. I didn't say anything for ten minutes of the sudden <laughs> DRS thing a minute ago.
0: <laughs> we want to hear your examples of similarly outrageous, egregious commitments, pledges, you name it promises that governments have made or companies have made or institutions have made, which, you know, have sounded all lovely and green and then they've quietly dropped or reversed or gone back on or whatever, because there must be countless examples of this. Um, We were going to do a whole episode about it until we realised we couldn't think of any, so we're asking you to think of some. But wherever you are in the world, just tell us your best examples of, you know, Minister Z said, definitely going to do thing X and three years later did Um, unbelievable thing why that sort of thing and any really good ones any outrageous ones any funny ones um, we will read out and if you're in the uk and you send us the best ones then we will send you some dead insects
1: so you can do that by emailing us to hello at sustainababble.fish you can find us on the twitter at the babble wagon and you can message us there or on the facebook at sustainababble and go and send that over by Ooh, April the 15th, he says, plucking a date out of his bottom.
0: Sounds like a lovely date. that is just about it for another episode of Babel. thank you very very much Dave for babbling so magnificently explaining that complicated thing that is the oil industry and economics and politics and all that stuff in beautifully simple terms I am now as angry about that as I am about the lack of reverse vending machines. I feel strangely calm about all of it. I feel like I've excised it. I
1: feel much happier (laughs) now. I need to just rant every week and be fine. Thank you all for babbling forth. Thank you to Arabella for so nobly reading out the eco-guff. And thank you to the wonderful Dickie Moore for the music that starts, ends, and intertwinkles the podcast. And to the legendary Arthur Stovall for the logo, what adorns our podcast. (laughs) And our t-shirts what you can buy at sustainababble.fish.
0: Very good. Now if you want to get in touch with this you can do so by all the ways we just mentioned so yeah. if you weren't listening tough go back listen no, better no if you go back and listen yes send us an email saying how sorry you are that you weren't listening properly and then whatever else you were going to say there yes, yes is, it, is this self-defeating it feels a bit self-defeating feels a bit self-de- podcast award season
1: time coming up oh, we don't <laughs> want to be annoying our base um we love you very much Babel army and as we said at the start we do rely on your support for keeping this here Babel on the road you can donate to our costs at wubbly wubbly patreon slash com slash thank you so much for everyone who does um even the price of a pint or the price of a coffee will be gratefully received not that we <laughs> Not To be clear, not that you're paying
0: for us to have pints, but... ah, oh, I mean, maybe one day you will be. Do you remember pints? I genuinely... I've not... Oh, I, I had a... I said to Mrs. Oll after work today, because we were recording this on a Friday, and I had that end of the working week thing. Where I was mm. like, ah, oh, it's the end of the week. I'll have a nice pint. No, wait. I'm like you know I'm drinking a beer right now I'm drinking a beer so it's kind of fine but it's, it's not just the same it's not is it's it? the beads of condensation I mean, down the outside of a pint oh, that you haven't
1: poured don't. and don't. the head that you only get in pubs
0: yeah and it's like properly cold and oh, it's there's that hub, the hullabaloo the hubbub the background noise the chink and clink of glass glasses random outbursts of laughter I miss it Dave I miss it I've always missed it but